Hey, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, LeBron James was back Saturday night uh, for the Lakers against the Knicks with positive results. Russell Westbrook sat in the overtime again with positive results. And trade deadline week kicks off today. So a lot to cover. Uh, the Clippers have already made a move with the Lakers. All that coming up and more on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on weekends. We get this thing up bright and early for you, as early as we possibly can, wherever you get your podcasts, all for the low, low price of free. Uh, you never pay for 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 Locked On Lakers or any of the Locked On podcasts, which is why you can make another one your second listen of the day, perhaps Locked On Rams with Travis Rogers as the Rams get into the Super Bowl. You know who's interested in that? Bet Online. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with uh, this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the games start. So, I mean, I. Saturday was one of those games that, like, it was truly a microcosm of the entire season. You could be. Uh, incredibly disgusted with the Lakers, I think, which most people were over the course of the first half of that game on Saturday against New York, uh, and then allow yourself to be transported to a place where the Lakers were good enough to actually make some noise, which at different times in the second half, when Anthony Davis is dominating and LeBron looks really good and Malik Monk scored uh, 29,000 points in the third quarter and all this stuff, you're like, oh, okay. All within 48 minutes plus five of, of NBA basketball. This was, to me, the season in a nutshell. The Lakers are a lot like um, if you've ever been in therapy before. Like, there's a <laughs> wide, wide range of emotions that you will experience. <laughs> if, you, if you do therapy and you do it the right way, and I, I've been in therapy before and I found it very valuable, but over the course of you, it's funny you said 48 minutes plus an extra five. Most sessions last about an hour. Yeah. Over the course of that hour, you will experience a whirlwind of different emotions ranging from happiness to laughter to sadness to occasionally crying, self-hatred, self-hatred, confusion, yeah. wondering what the F is going on with your life. All of those things can also be experienced during the average Laker game. And I think that's what's so irritating like you know I, I make this i make this comparison to last year last year it was you know there were certain stretches of the season where it was just like you know i mean they were they managed to still be like a top defensive team like they were they were doing the best they can they were out of dudes like they were just trying and they were out of dudes and it wasn't going to work and this year it's just I understand there are 500 teams. 500 teams are sometimes good. They're sometimes bad. That's why they're five. This is not, the Lakers are not your ordinary 500 team. They are not a 500 team in expectations. They are not a 500 team in terms of superstar, you know, bright lights, uh, names on this. Like they're, so you, you treat them differently. But man alive, it's like this is, I think, why it's so hard for fans to go through this season because it's like pick a flipping lane, all right? Just well, pick one, please, and, and, and put me out of my misery. Well, part of what if they are picking a lane and it's hopefully a successful lane would obviously be the return of LeBron and he 
played extremely well, uh, a lot of minutes, played 40 minutes in this overtime. It was funny, before the game, Frank Vogel said that you know they were looking to be, and this was his exact word, smarter about his minutes because LeBron had been playing just a ton mm. in Anthony Davis's absence. And it is, while we don't know for sure, not very difficult to imagine that that is related to the knee issues and swelling that he was experiencing that took him off the court because he was literally carrying a goddamn team on his back and that will cave in your knees at some point. Um, unfortunately, though, part of being smarter with LeBron's minutes involves the team playing smarter. And because they didn't all the time, that didn't allow LeBron to go off the floor, 29 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, and just three turnovers in 40 minutes. Um, as Anthony Davis said after the game, you know, LeBron did LeBron things uh, and also said he did what he's supposed to do. And it is what we've become accustomed to LeBron doing, and it now feels like what he's supposed to be doing. But at the same time, damn, it's a little scary when it feels like that's what he's supposed to do in order for them to meet to beat the freaking Knicks. Yeah, because that's the, the other part of this thing was like, you know, this furious second half coming. The Lakers really leaned into their uh, let's fall behind identity. Um, and then mounts a furious comeback. The difference is a 31 to 13 quarter allowed them to to make up all the ground on the Knicks and still have time to actually go win the game. And, and they they almost didn't. Um, but like you know, you saw it. You saw it again. Um, LeBron James, you just mentioned the line. AD, another phenomenal game, and we'll talk about him a little bit because you know he was asked some very pointed questions Saturday after the game about. You know the difference in his play since returning from the knee injury and what we saw before uh, that are definitely worth spending a few minutes on. But he had 28 points, 17 rebounds, 17, yeah. three steals, four blocks. He's blocked like four shots a game since he came back. Um, you know, so that part of it worked. Malik Monk held up his part of the uh, of the bargain after a really slow first half. He went nuclear in the third quarter. I think he had 16. Was it 16? He had 18. He 18. outscored the Knicks 18 to 13 himself. Yes. In the third quarter. It was like it was like a mini version of Kobe versus Dallas in 2006. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, you know, he finished with 29 points and you know, uh four of eight from from three-point range. And you know, do, do I care that he didn't have a lot of other peripherals? I do not. <laughs> he had two assists, but actually made a couple nice passes and in it was really it was great to see it because you know after that first half you wonder you know is Malik Monk kind of reverting back to that sort of inconsistency that was a hallmark of his Charlotte days um, and they the Lakers just can't afford it and he went nuts as a scorer in the third quarter. Um, we'll get back to AD here in a second, but let's let's talk about Russ because Westbrook was. Again, a massive story in this game for not good reasons. Um, he did not play in the overtime. Nope. He finished one of 10 from the floor. Mm -hmm. It's not even a good batting average. Five points, six assists, four turnovers. Um, and, you know, Vogel sat him down for the overtime. And, Asked about it after the game, you know, he still was complimentary of Russ, he, all these other things, but he just said, you know, it was clear Russ was having a, a, a difficult time on both ends of the floor. He mm -hmm. made it very clear this wasn't just about one of 10. It was about 
the totality of what he was doing, including what I thought was the most egregious bad defensive play he made in a parade of them. He was really slow getting back on the play where RJ Barrett hit the game tying three for the Knicks. Um, and you know, I mean, light years slow. Um, and you know, on a game potential game swinging play like that, if you're the coach, that's like that's the last straw. I mean, it was you terrible. Know, it's, it's funny actually. Um, highly recommend people check out a Twitter thread from our friend Coach Nick at uh, B Ball Breakdown. He he's a great follow anyway. I imagine a lot of you guys are on him as it is. But if you miss this one, it's from Sunday. It goes into great detail about the stuff rusted badly in this game as, as well as a few good plays it gets in mm-hmm. some technical stuff but he pointed this out during this basically thread series throughout the game and i had forgotten about it because there was so much focus understandably on russ getting benched in overtime russ had actually been taken out of the game to close the first half there was a sequence where russ left evan fournier who is Shooting forty percent from three this year, forty-one last year is thirty-eight. On it's about his the only thing Evan Fournier has done to uh, satisfactory levels uh, for most right. in most people's minds with the Knicks this year. Right, left him wide open for a three. Fournier ended up missing it, and Russ Russ got the defensive rebound, pushed it, but pushed it kind of lackadaisically and not really paying attention. He ended up getting stripped by the ever swift Nerlens Noel from behind. And it led to a Julius Randle Duncan transition. And this was on the heels of a few wonky plays by Russ. And I I had, again, sort of forgotten about it because there was so much other stuff that ended up overshadowing it in this game. But it it spoke to me the idea that Vogel had been growing frustrated Mm -hmm. over the course of this game, similarly to when Russ got benched in the other game, the fourth quarter. The Indiana game. The Indiana game. There had been stuff leading up to that point before it eventually reached breaking. Yeah, it's ne- and, it's never and let's because I want to talk right. I want to talk about this because a lot of what you've complained about with the the Lakers this year, focus, uh, you know, urgency, however you want to define it, and I'll let you do it, you know, so people understand the context that you're approaching it are really related to Westbrook in, in, in fundamental ways, um, I think, just because of how the roster is constructed. So talk about that. We'll talk about the difference in how uh, Russ reacted to this um, yes. to this benching and what it potentially means going forward because the precedent is out there now. Um, and it's, pretty, it's an important one, and we'll talk about all of it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. It's a new year, and that means New Year's resolutions in 2022. And if yours is still about getting fit, eating healthier. Built Bar can be a part of that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. It allows you to eat healthy without it getting boring. After like a few weeks, you're like, I'm sick of this, man. Where's my chocolate? Well, it's covering the Built Bars. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most of them only have 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, four net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. That's the good stuff. Tons of great flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, mint brownie, down the line. They're always coming up with cool, unique flavor combinations. You are never going to feel bored with Built Bar. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. So you and I, Andy, have had a not a push-pull in the sense that we are on 
opposite sides of the spectrum here on this issue. But I think I do think we have a little bit of a differing viewpoint on what with the Lakers is a you know a, 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 I guess a sense of try hard trying hard enough um, or you know in, in the way that a lot of people define urgency uh, versus you know just who are the players on the floor who are the people in this neighborhood um, and just quite what those ratios are into what's victimizing the Lakers this year. When you talk about urgency, Andy, what what are you putting in that definition so that people listening and watching kind of get the context of what we're about to talk about here? I think urgency is effort on the court. I think urgency is paying attention to details. I think urgency is focus because all of those things, one way or another, are driven by urgency of both the moment and the bigger picture. So to me, it, it, whether you want, if you want to define urgency as how hard you're playing, if you want to define urgency as how dialed in you appear to be as a player, I will accept that definition for all of them because mm -hmm. I think they're all part and parcel of the same thing. And it, and it makes sense when you put it that way because you know if if you are in a desperate situation and the Lakers are certainly nearing that, you know, nearing it. <laughs> it's they've like that scene little, in the Andy. They've got a little space on those Portland Trailblazers for that. It's like that spot. scene in the movie The Sure Thing, where John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga are caught in the rain, like a rainstorm in the middle of nowhere, and John Cusack's trying to break into this abandoned shed, and he's using a rock, and all of a sudden she's like, "I have a credit card. I have a credit card, like to get a hotel room." And then she's like, "Oh." My dad said, I'm only supposed to use it for emergencies. <laughs> and QSEC says, well, maybe one will come up. <laughs> I, believe, I believe we've uh, entered desperate yeah, okay, times fine. for the Lakers. Fine, fine. I, a point well taken. Um, you know, that your focus and your attention to detail and all that stuff would be more honed in. You know, writers on a deadline. You got it to whatever it is. It's like, you don't have time to screw around. You have to focus on what you're doing. Everybody in their job has moments like this. Um I, I think there are certain guys on this team that are doing that most of the time. And what you see are a lot of the limitations that they have as players. I think Malik Monk is working as hard as he possibly can defensively all the time. I mean, you understand, but like, you know, it's certainly an acceptable, you know, and sometimes he's just not that good at it. Like he's, he's just, he's learning. He's never been asked to do. He's not that good at it. Avery Bradley tries as hard as he can all the time, I think. He he has major deficiencies in his game that prevent him from doing all of these guys are limited players and this and that, whatever. And you look at their skills and I and you know to where I'm going, you kind of look at their skills and say, okay, just I, I kind of get it to some degree. For me, when you define it this way, and the more we go through this season, so much of this stuff in a lot of ways, in terms of significant players, comes down to Westbrook. And, you know, the attention to detail, the, um, pay, you know, paying attention and not losing track of guys defensively, making sure you're never taking a, 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 a two seconds of a defensive possession off, all of these other things. This is stuff that I don't think Westbrook can do. I think maybe there was a time in his career where he was capable of it, where he, you know, and there are times when he does focus on defense. But how many years into his career is he now, Andy? It's a lot, over a decade. I just don't think he's got the muscle memory to do these things. I don't, because I think he cares. 
But <laughs> no, I don't think he, no, he I don't think he's okay, capable. Stop. He doesn't care about the defensive stuff. Okay. I'm calling BS on that, man. Are you telling me that the reason he can't keep track of an obvious three-point shooter in the corner is muscle memory? BS. That's him not putting any type of focus or priority I mean, my or point urgency is I don't think on. He, I don't think he can focus on that stuff. No, I don't yes, think, he can. I think Wait, what do you he think? He has ADD lousy, or something? I think he no, is he a can. lousy defensive player, and lousy defensive players don't do those things. He can absolutely do better. I'm not saying he can be all defense. I didn't say he couldn't do but, better. That's not what but I you, said. No, I you just, just said that he had, doesn't have the muscle memory to do I don't think I'm saying. My BS. point is, I don't BS, think he man. is capable of as much on that side of the ball as you do. I don't. I think he's that is not a compliment, more. by the way. No, I it is an indictment no, I of that. Westbrook. I know that, but I'm not saying that I think he's capable of being an upper echelon defender. I'm saying he's capable of doing some things that he doesn't do. That's what I'm I will saying. say that he is, is not he capable he is of running capable. back faster on a on an RJ Barrett yeah. play. Is he yes. capable of marking guys? Like, come on, man, he's been in the NBA like 14 been, effing years or what? At it the entire. But he's always been time. capable. He's always been capable of it. That's the difference. And I'm sorry, man. I'm calling BS on the idea that he's not capable of doing it. I don't. If you want, I, he. I mean, you can call BS on it. But I don't. He's I, indifferent. To I don't. It. I think when. See, here's the deal. I think when even in the moments when he tries not to be indifferent, he's his defensive instincts as a team defender are so bad, and they are so dead in terms of how well they've been honed that he that i believe that he is less capable the the focused russell westbrook i'm paying full attention to this stuff still fars falls really well below attention. that's the difference though i don't think he pays attention i don't think he can. like okay here's an he, example I don't, think he's able like, to, I don't think he's used to it i don't think he can I don't yes, think he's he able to do it for 48 minutes a game every freaking well, night. He's able to do it for, I don't know, five? <laughs> I mean, like, come on. I think it is letting Russ off the hook to say that all of these defensive issues are things that he simply doesn't even have the muscle memory for or okay. that it's deteriorated. Like, for example, there are I'm certain not saying, things with defensive... But I'm not saying all. I'm just saying but that the expectation... I think more that than you the way, are... The, in the same way that I'm sure you're not saying that he um, is consciously going into the game and saying, screw it, I'm not going to do that. I assume that's not, you I mean, I assume that's not what you're saying, that he is sort of intentionally sabotaging Nobody, the defensive no, scheme of the no, Lakers. But this, no, but this is what I'm saying. He's not consciously going into a game saying, I will do it. That's the difference. I don't think he consciously goes into these games saying, oh, see, I see, I'm going to make... It's interesting. I actually think most games, I think he does. I don't think he knows what that means. In the same way that you talk, in the same way that you've made the point, and I think you're exactly right, that players can think they understand what it means to adjust, understand but when you go into a season, and I, I'm going to have to give up some of my stuff here. I'm going to do that. And then when you get into it, you like the actual execution of it is difficult. In the same way that players, the Lakers this year, think they have a, an expectation of what they're going to be and how the season's going to go and how they're going to have to measure out their effort over 82 games and all of these things. And it was radically different in practice yes. because they've been so crappy. Absolutely. And it's taken them a long time to adjust, even though they know what's in front of them. I think that's what I'm talking about with Westbrook, that he can think 
yes, I have to, I have to adjust. I have to change. I have to give, I have to do this. I have to commit to, to, to playing defense and, and, and go do that. And it's critically important that I do it. And I'm going to give, I'm going to give my effort. I don't think he understands and is, is aware of what that bar is. So even when he is trying to get there, he doesn't in the same way, you know, I, there are times when I think I'm working hard. You know what? I'm not working hard enough. And I have to learn that like, nope, hard is not hard. And I got to do, I got to do more. Sure. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about with him. It's not that I think he's the blameless or like, couldn't do better. Obviously he can't run back and defend. You screw up on one end run. That's the one thing that stuff. I'm not, I'm not absolving of any of this. Again, it's an indictment of Westbrook. It's not letting him off the hook. It's more of an it's an indictment of Rob Palinka and LeBron James too for not knowing what they were getting into. I just I don't think he I don't think he knows that. I mean, that he's been, you don't think he's been told a billion times stop gambling, pay attention. I mean, like, come on, like, there's, I, th- I think you are in some ways just tossing this off as unsolvable, or it's just who he is as opposed to who he wants to be or who he is willing to be. Again, there's certain things like certain defensive mechanics, certain what like yeah, he's probably too far in to fix some of those things, but there is an element of this that's just how focused are you on being disciplined? Because and, I don't and think that's he, fair. And I I don't again, I think a lot of what you're talking about with Westbrook is absolutely correct. And he there that he absolutely could be better. Um, he's fallen into habits. I just question how I question how much he's prioritizing breaking those habits. And and my, my question is, I, I wonder how capable he is of breaking them. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, there's a a lot of overlap in the sort of the Venn diagrams, but we each have a section on the end. If he's incapable, he's incapable and people, myself included can get in their own way with certain things. I just don't get the indication, even when I hear Russ talk about just the concept of adjusting, it does not seem to be something that he is particularly open towards. Well, so like I, think it's, I think his wiring is unique among, you mentioned Vince Carter, you mentioned, but that's kind of, that's part of the package. That's part of well, what I'm talking about when I talk about sure. capable. I don't think sure. he's wired in a way I'm, I'm not that saying lets him any, make these fixes. Anyway, let's, let's talk about AD. I think we're going to keep talking about Russ, but. I want to make sure we save enough time to really to 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 get into what AD talked about after the game. Yeah, you uh, want to talk Saturday. about some you want to talk about some great mental focus and adjustments, Ooh. Anthony Davis. Yeah, so we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. There may be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season from scores, totals, player performances, props, and where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business from sports Right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the games start. Um, so I don't know if we'll get to the trade deadline stuff today, but it's it's important to note over the weekend, the Clippers um, made a l- significant trade. They acquired Robert Covington and uh, Norman Powell from. The Trailblazers, they didn't give up much to do it. Eric Bledsoe and um, Flotsam and Jetsam and some picks and all Robert, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, uh, it was uh, Justice Winslow, I believe, Keon Johnson. Right, uh, their, their first round, round pick. pick this year, I believe it was in a second round. They, but so you know, but um, but you know, they they lost on Sunday night to the Bucks. Um, but Norman Powell had twenty eight points. Uh, you know, so they they made a significant move. Um, obviously, the, the Lakers are chasing the Clippers um and and all that so like there is uh, maybe perhaps a little bit more urgency for the lakers to do something uh what they can do i'm not entirely sure um but we'll get into a lot of this so obviously over the course of the week leading up to thursday's trade deadline um anthony davis was asked after saturday's win whether or not you know he kind of heard some of the chatter people like us other people in the media talking about how his performance to this point in in the season really just wasn't up to par and his answer andy was introspective and it was honest and it was probably exactly what people wanted to hear yeah he he noted that before the injury even though the numbers were there and Anthony Davis's numbers, as we've said many times before he got hurt, looked great. But the that concept of just Anthony Davis putting his stamp on a game where it just feels like that dude was here and he wrecked bleep up, you know. And whether the Lakers won that game, lost that game, you felt like he left his mark, and it didn't feel that way all the time. AD agreed. There was a lot of just looking in the mirror time while he was getting that knee back in shape and really just wanting to, as he said, feel more like himself on the court. And these last six games he's been back, but in particular, the last five, it's been crazy what he's done. He is, I, I went through some of the numbers, Brian. He's had no game below 50% from the field in the last five. He's had three games 55% plus from the field. He has not scored below 27 points in the last five games, hasn't taken fewer than 18 shots, two-plus blocks in four of the last five games, four in two of them. He even, he even managed four blocks in the Brooklyn game, the first one where he was back, and he was in foul trouble and obviously rusty. But here's the thing, though, Brian. Four of the last five games, double-digit rebounds, three 15-plus, pre-injury 27 games, he had four 15-plus rebound games. And, and I don't mean that like 15 should be the standard because 15 is... No, no but, 15, you will lead the league in rebounds, which he could certainly a lot, aspire. usually. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly aspire to that if you're AD and more power to him. But like, I'm not saying that's the mandatory baseline for Anthony Davis. It just speaks to how much he's getting after it. And when you rebound like that, that's the type of thing where you are leaving a stamp on a game. It's it's interesting, you know. To his credit, we didn't get to this part of it. Russ um, Russ went to the podium. He was in a good mood. He yeah. was gracious. He said, "I don't want to make this about me. We won the game. That's the most mm -hmm. important thing." I mean, like working real hard to make sure this wasn't a controversy. So after the game, Westbrook handled it beautifully. But I think there's a, the contrast between Davis's response there. Um, and Westbrook this year is Westbrook still has been pretty defensive about the idea of, yeah, I played a bad game. I'm, I'm, I am in a really lousy place right now. I'm not performing up to my standards. I'm a, he's been very reluctant to use that language. Um, no, he maybe, actually said that when he doesn't play well, there's a ton of questions for him. When he does play well, he doesn't feel like people are really asking him much about those games. I don't feel that's true. I feel like we ask Russ a lot of questions regardless. Right. Um, how he plays, but 
So, I mean, in the, 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 the sort of, yeah, I, I've not been doing it well enough. Accountability is a, is a part of this Westbrook thing that hasn't been there. Um, and you compare that to Davis, who's again, his numbers were not bad, but he, he's like, I'm not, I am not performing to the standard that I expect of myself, that other people are expecting of me and all these other things. And I, whether that's him hearing people's commentary, him just sort of feeling it instinctively, uh, or a combination of the two. And I think that's probably what it is. Some sort or of, or just recognizing there. where his team is, <laughs> right? All of it, all of it to hear that kind of thing and like come back, like this is what exactly what we saw heading into the bubble was Anthony Davis understanding the questions that were going to come around him, understanding the significance of the playoffs that he was about to enter and going out and dominating. And if he feels the same kind of motivation, if he feels the same kind of push going into these final, what is it? 20 something games in the, in the playoffs. I'm not going to go back and do the math in my business. Um, like that is encouraging and that gives the Lakers a little bit of hope because AD plus LeBron is something that teams are going to have to deal with. That is a, that is a lot. If those guys are playing at the top of their game, even with a more hollowed out Lakers roster, which it certainly is compared to the title year. Um, that's still a lot. One of the things that's really made me feel great about this stretch with AD is in the past, AD after bad games has said that he needs to do better. And often the case is he does better the very next game. Mm -hmm. But then you will feel like he's kind of floating around a little bit or reverting back into certain elements of being passive on the court and kind of letting too much of the game come to him as opposed to dictating the terms of the game. This stretch of games, he is dictating the hell out of everything that's happening there. Yep. And, you know, LeBron is going to be the most important guy on this team in the sense that nobody can replace certain or replicate even things that he does. And everything is ultimately still built around LeBron running it as and, evidenced you know, by what happened when he wasn't on the floor you know it's funny actually like one neither one of us was in favor of the westbrook deal but in terms of rationalizing it and, and this wasn't even me playing devil's advocate this was me thinking it could be a positive even while still thinking it was not the deal the lakers should have made i felt like westbrook would be the closest you could come to replicating what lebron does in terms of the totality of running an offense, all the different things he can do, the ability to get guys good looks. And it would be kind of like you know a poor man's LeBron, which you could do a hell of a lot worse than that. Mm -hmm. And I think I've just reached the conclusion that LeBron is so unique that in certain respects, he's too unique for a team's own good because just you, you can't, you can't fake what he does. No, and and but, Westbrook just is is a different guy, right? I think, in I mean, some well, ways, you, you see but, the difference in like, and I don't want to stay on Westbrook. My no, my I point in all this is really about AD, but like just the difference. As much as Westbrook can obviously find open guys and he can create assists and stuff like that, the difference in just precision with those passes, like guys have to move more to get Russ's passes. Versus like LeBron, it's more surprising when a guy does move. 
And, but anyway, and just and you and and you and I'll I'll swing, get it back to to AD here as we can wrap up. But like LeBron's offense requires respect; it demands respect, and so, um, you know, and Davis is reaching that place where he's not reaching it; he's there. But like when he is playing in this way, that his offense, his movement, everywhere, like now you have eyes would have to go there and they have to go there and they have to go there and it's like who do you watch and if russ does turn a corner of consistency that it looked like he was getting towards and then it's not really kept it up but if he turns that corner or malik monk just stays where he is right now or all the whatever it might be the 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 concept of what was supposed to make the lakers good at least has a has a chance and it, it, they're way behind the eight ball. They have got a. They, they have no margin for error, and the amount of awesome that it's going to require from their, uh, particularly their top two stars, to get anywhere is staggering. But at least you can squint and see it. Well, and that was that all starts with Davis playing in this way. It's nothing else. It's just fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I, just cool. The, the point I was going to make is with with AD LeBron may still be the most important player they have. But it is exceptionally mandatory <laughs> that AD be the best player. Yeah. Like the guy that it feels like is affecting the most things on both sides of the ball, where even if LeBron is the most important, AD is the most indispensable, if that makes sense. It does. It's an interesting way of looking at it. So we'll, we'll talk more a little more about this, I think, for Tuesday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Trevor Ariza, who suddenly is both playable and important again. Had a great game on uh, Saturday playing 35 minutes for the Lakers. Hopefully then, Mello is going to be back uh, Tuesday against the Bucs. Yep, and uh, a lot of trade deadline because the Lakers, uh, we mentioned the Norman Powell deal for the Clippers, but it's, uh, it's you know, stuff's going to start happening and the Lakers are going to have to make some decisions. So a lot coming up this week, including a huge game on Tuesday against the uh, champion Milwaukee Bucks. And that's, that's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Locked on Lakers, five days a week. Thank you for subscribing and uh, on to Locked on Lakers on YouTube, uh, making us your first listen, and we'll see everybody on Tuesday.